One listener that stands out that I worked with recently was this older couple that was interested in refinancing. You know, their credit wasn't the best. Not everybody has the 780 credit scores and never had any hardships in their life. I'll walk you through what you have to do. How can you end up being able to do this refinance, whether it's two, three, six months from now? We worked with them for months and months to improve their credit, and we were able to get the loan done. We were saving them hundreds each month, thousands of dollars a year, and they could start saving money each month, saving for retirement, which just put a huge smile on my face. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp., 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Well, hello and welcome to Ed Stetzer Live. I am Ed Stetzer and very excited today about our guest because here's the fun part. Uh, Most of you listening have actually listened to him on answer questions in the last uh, hour or more, right? Depending on the program you're listening to, the station you're listening to. And so we get to continue our conversation because as you might have heard, if if you know, there's a few stations. K-Wave, we welcome you, for example, that don't necessarily have the amazing... Dr. Rodelnik, but but most do. So we're going to talk to Michael Rodelnik today. He's the professor of Jewish studies and Bible at Moody Bible Institute, host and Bible teacher of Moody Radio's Open Line, which, again, you probably just listened to. Um, on my fact, I'd like to know, Michael, at what point, what's the drop-off between your show and my show? Because you're kind of a big deal. You have many leather-bound <laughs> books. Your office smells of rich mahogany. Before, before I got more introduction. So he's a son of Holocaust survivors. He was raised in an observant Jewish home in Brooklyn. You can hear the accent if you listen. Became a follower of Jesus as a high school student. Began teaching the Bible almost immediately. Author of several books, including his most recent one, 50 Most Important Bible Questions. We're going to go through all of them. All 50 of them. We're going to do all 50 <laughs> Most Important Bible Questions today. We'll just ask the and questions, also, no answers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we just literally have to go through them. Like, at one, one a minute, and you got, it's like speed round, one minute to answer for 50 minutes. All right. He's the co-editor of, and contributor at Moody Bible Commentary. As you can probably tell, I think the world of him. He's a super fun guy. And uh, we, we, we're friends, and we see each other. I mean, we do the show. I think probably, Michael, people think we're like we're like in the studio, and I switch into your seat. Yeah, right. But I broadcast from home, <laughs> and you, you, do, you do come mostly there, right? Is that where mostly yeah, you are? Yeah, I live closer, studio? so okay. I, I come into the yeah. studio, and uh, yeah. I, I find it easier to, to look at the engineer and to look at the producer and, and make – eye contact and do things like and that. And who is who is your engineer and your producer? Courtney Young, who's the producer for... Courtney, who's the producer for my show, who's yeah. amazing. We, we don't call her Courtney Young, we call her the amazing Courtney Young. She is amazing, producer, isn't she? Engineer. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. I knew her and when. I You know, but you called her the producer, but isn't she your engineer? She's the engineer. And then uh, right, Tr- right, okay. Trisha McMillan, uh, who produces right. Chris Favory Live and also Open yep. Line, uh, who is just an amazing producer, great person, great she's friend She's great. She's, yeah. no, she's no Karen Hendren, who's an amazing right. producer. Producer, no, but we, she's we're not going to do that. We, we all we're not going to compare. Producers, we right? love we love all of our friends. Yeah, exactly, yeah, right. that's good. I like that. Um, so we're going to talk today, and we're going to take your calls. And really, I mean, you do these like Bible 
common uh, question commentary questions like every Saturday. Yeah. Um. So and I listen. I I listen. I'm afraid, I, I yeah. I don't, you make comments I, too. I see it on the chat. I screen. do. I say yeah. I put them in the chat and say you're wrong. So, <laughs> 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 yeah, because we we share this. We share, for those people that aren't we share the same chat screen. So yeah. so I mean, it's basically you know he does his show and then I do my show. But if I show up early and I'm listening and I disagree, I, I may or may not occasionally <laughs> put in there yeah. saying you dodge that yeah. question or something. Yeah. But you yeah. never do. I mean, you really lean in. So really, of the fifty most important Bible questions, let's get to the most important one. Are tattoos wrong? You're are right. tattoos that is that is the unbiblical. one that's pressing on my mind. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I think of this every day. So now it's not is in that, the fifty. Is that, is that in the fifty? It's not in the fifty. Yeah, but it should. I yeah. bet. How often? So I, I I have a good friend, Brian Broderson. He's uh he's Calvary Chapel. The pastor of Calvary Chapel does Pastor's Perspective, and he does a show like yours. And whenever I'm sitting in his studio in Southern California, and they have their board like way up high, they probably have that studio, and so so I can see it. And the tattoo question's always there. So how how often do you get that question? I've Is that a only common question or no? Gotten it two or three times in ten years. Really seriously, yeah. I I think you have an incredible screener who's keeping you from that question. Yeah. Well, I have the most interesting time I got asked that question was somehow someone got my home number. And, oh my gosh! And called my house, and said, I, I, I don't know who you are, but someone told me you answer Bible questions, and I'm really upset. Uh-huh. My daughter got a tattoo, and I want to throw her out of the house, and and I'm, I, I need, they said I needed to ask you, and, and so someone gave him my number. And I'm like, oh, really? And it, the guy was just so upset. And I said, so, so just tell me, uh, what is it? How old is your daughter? And she's about 19. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, what, what is it that she had on her tattoo? And I'm thinking, oh, no, what a terrible tattoo. Might be something terrible. Had. Right, yeah. right. And he, it, she did it on her foot, and it said, look up to Jesus. When wow. she felt she's down out. Kick her out. to kick, kick look her up out. to Jesus. And I'm like, oh, thank wow. God this girl loves Jesus, and she wants to remember to look to him. And so I asked him what he had for breakfast uh, on Saturday, the previous Saturday. And he said, what? Did it, what? And I said, what did you have for breakfast? And he said, oh, every Saturday I make bacon and eggs. And I said, so you think because Leviticus says don't have a tattoo, your daughter shouldn't have a tattoo? And he said, right. And I said, but you think it's fine to break Leviticus 11 and eat swine? And he was like, well, that's different. And I said, how? And he was like, well, I don't know. And And so... I said the tattoos in the law of Moses were proscribed or forbidden because they were involved with with paganism, with with idolatry, and your daughter did not do that. And you're not living under the law of Moses. We live under the law of Christ. We live under the new covenant. And so, what you need to do is get the principles from the law of Moses. But we, what we are doing is living under the law of Moses. Your daughter is not practicing paganism. So here's what you need to do: go apologize to your daughter for being mean to her, Ooh. and and Ooh. and don't call my house again. That's <laughs> wow, wow. That's okay. Uh, first of all, I love the fact that you brought bacon in because a, bacon is one of the great gifts under yeah. the new covenant. And <laughs> That's so right. I'm deeply well, I, thankful I, I wasn't for quite bacon. that rude with him, but I thought, you know, here's a man, okay. 
who loves his daughter but thinks that she has stepped out of of line because right. she has a tattoo about Jesus. Yeah, and and so yeah. uh, you know I, I don't have tattoos. I'm not a big tattoo lover, but yeah. let, let's let's understand what that is. And it's a different generation. And I don't think she did anything wrong. And okay, and, you know, 36 percent of U.S. citizens ages 18 to 29 have at least one tattoo. There we go. That's more than one out of three. I, mean, I have, I have a funny quote to that story. I was preaching at a church the following Sunday. Uh-huh. And the uh, the guy showed up to visit, didn't know I was going to be speaking. That guy that called my house showed up. <laughs> I was a guest speaker, and there I wow. was. And he came up. He says, I'm the guy that called you up. And I said, really? Is your daughter here? And he said, yeah. And there she was. She was a lovely young woman who loved the Lord. And I was so glad that he called me because I could tell him to go say I'm sorry to his daughter. That is so cool. By the way, Michael Wadelling's home number, 866-548-3675. If you want to call us right now at his home number, we're going to talk about the 50 <laughs> yeah, most important now, right? Bible questions. Exactly, at home now. Um, his, actually, your number is the same number as my number, right? We all yeah, have the same number. We all number. have the same number. Yeah. Do you have it memorized? Can you do it right now? I can do it unless I have to. 877-548-3675. That's it. There you go. That's the number to call Michael Rodemlik when we're having this discussion. Uh, we're going to have a real discussion, not about tattoos and bacon, though I am so glad bacon was brought up. In I think this is the first time bacon, which is one of my favorite things in life. You know what I like? I like things wrapped in bacon, even bacon wrapped, wrapped in, in bacon. bacon. That's a special. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a special. It's yeah. special. So we're talking to Michael Rodemlik, and we're talking about his... Uh, new book, uh, which is about, well, kind of reflects his show, 50 Most Important Bible Questions. You've been the host of Open Line Radio for the past 10 years. You've answered, I can't imagine, how many millions of I, questions? I, I can't imagine how many questions. I, you know, before Open Line, I was... I had done uh, questions for 45 minutes every Wednesday morning on the local WMBI station here, not not across the network. Oh. Just, yeah, I, oh, I did yeah. that with the morning show host. And I during the week, I'm on uh, about four stations on that, that are owned and operated by Moody. Uh, so I answer questions there. And I, it's, it's like I think every now and then I'll get a question that I've never been asked before, and I'm like, wow, that's unusual. So that's... That's rare, but it happens. I've I've answered a lot of questions through the years. And last night I was speaking at a conference, and I, at the end, they asked me if I would take some questions. I said, "Okay, I'll try," but I've never done that before. Cold. And so, uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. Um, I listen, like I said, I listen and I learn. I listen, I learn because you know my I'm, my PhD is in a field called missiology. Um, I would say just in front of everybody here, you know the Bible better than I do, and I I, I love that fact. I love learning from you. I find that I agree with you the vast percentage of time. And to disagree with you is not a sign of my no. eternal soul being Even I disagree with me sometimes. That's fine. Yeah. You know That's you, interesting. You, you change your mind over yeah, time. Yeah, change my things. mind over. You know, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. that dogmatic, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's good. It's good. Okay, mm-hmm. so but one of the things that in listening to your show, sometimes I think, what an amazing question. And this person really is struggling with this issue. Like that dad who called you was really probably struggling. I wouldn't have called you at home, mm-hmm. but was really probably struggling. You yeah. do that. And then sometimes the questions just seem gotcha and silly. But you you just you just keep answering questions in a Christ honoring and gracious way. Why is it so important to answer these questions, the ones that PME people really are heartfelt, even the ones that maybe are trick questions. Why is it so important? Well, first of all, I think the the heartfelt ones, people look at the Bible, they want to believe it, uh, and they do believe it, but they then have struggles with it. They they think, well, how could God have allowed this, or how could, does this contradict, 
or they have these issues that they have when they read the Bible. I just can't get my arms wrapped around this. I can't get my head wrapped around this. And so it's really important to help them in their walk with the Lord so that they can have greater and greater confidence in the Word. That's why I think it's so important to answer Bible questions. And, you know, you know as well as I know that uh, a lot of pastors are pastors of kind of small churches. They don't have a whole lot of training. They're doing a wonderful, faithful job teaching their people as best they can. But sometimes people feel like if I ask my pastor, he won't be able to answer it. The pastors who are kind of well-known and are great, you know, Bible preachers and they have mega churches, they never get to ask them either because they're just like a little bit too distant. And so saying, hey, just pick up the phone and ask, it's a way of ministering to people and helping them uh, with their confidence in the Word of God. So that's why I think it's such an important thing. And as for the gotcha questions, I generally, if I can look at them, I tell Trish, don't put the gotcha questions on. Don't put oh, the one. Okay. But she'll say, I think that there's something sincere underneath that. Oh, cool. And it, and those are the ones that she'll put on. And so when when someone calls up with what appears to be a gotcha question, and it's, but Trish all-knowing, all-wise, uh, says there's something to it. I look and I try to say, okay, what's bothering this person really? And I don't always necessarily answer the gotcha question. I do that very quickly. And then I go to what I think the real issue is as I listen to the person. Uh, and that's one of the, that had one of the best calls we ever had. Someone called up and she wanted to do some gotcha question it sounded like about the pre-trib versus the post-trib rapture. And I, I, you know, I just didn't want to do it. She said, no, do it, do it. And so I said to her after I answered her question, I answered it in 30 seconds. Uh, I said, so why are you wondering about this? And she said, because I have all these friends that believe they're going to be raptured, and I don't believe in Jesus, and they say I'm going to be left behind. I'm like, oh, so you don't believe in Jesus? And she said, no. And I said, oh, well, why not? And we talked, and then I got to share the gospel with her. And as we shared it, I, I thought this woman is ready to receive the Lord. And I asked her, if right there on the radio, would you be interested in trusting in Jesus? And and would, what's keeping you right now from trusting in Jesus with me right here? And she said, oh, I don't want to do that. And I said, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray, because there may be someone outside listening on the radio, and they they're ready to trust in Jesus. So I'm going to pray, and if you would like to pray this prayer with me, uh, you can put your trust in Jesus. And so then I prayed, and I said to the woman, I said, thank you so much. If you have more questions, call me, but you can pray that prayer anytime you want. You don't have to be with me. And she said, oh, I did it. I prayed to receive Jesus. And I was like, thank you, Trisha, for putting that gotcha question on. Wow. Because it wow. was one of the best questions and discussions we ever had on Open Line. Okay, that's fascinating. And, of course, this is why so many of us love Michael Rodelnik and his ministry and his desire to help people understand and engage the Bible and a desire we deeply share so that men and women also might respond by grace and through faith to the good news of the gospel. We're going to continue our conversation with him and your calls. We actually have some copies of 50 Most Important Bible Questions to give away as well. To great questions or comments, 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. Hey, 
Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live, though you might be confused if you listened an hour ago on most of these stations. You listened to Michael Rodelnik, and he is back with me uh, because we're having a conversation about his new book, 50 Most Important Bible Questions. And I had a little fun at the beginning and asked one that wasn't in the list, but we did get to bacon by the time we were done. So yeah. that's the good news as well. Um, <laughs> do, now, you you grew up um, you grew up Jewish in Brooklyn. You know, yeah. fun fact, so I'm Queen's kid. So I know, I know. From Queens. So I, we, on the break? I was just talking about that. Were you? That we're both from the Holy Land. Yeah. We're both from the Holy Land. We could talk like, you know, hello, everybody from New York. We're happy to be with you. Yeah. And so, yeah. And then you moved to Long Island, didn't you? You you got a problem with that? Forget about it. See, we can do that. I did. I lived to. I was actually Floral Park on, in Queens, oh, wow. right, right in the Queens uh, Nassau County yeah, border. Exactly. And, yeah, and sure. then and then moved right out to uh, my family moved to Levittown. But my family's actually from Brooklyn, more you know, generation before. So it's uh, it's sort of fun to hear your. But you grew up you grew up in a in a Jewish family, and then later came to be a follower of Jesus. Um, how does that shape? some of what you write and teach. I know it shapes some of the questions because I, you know, I hear the questions and you get a lot of questions related to mm-hmm. um, your understanding of, of Judaism and more. So, but how does that shape how you minister, how you teach, even the book? And again, to remind people, the name of the book is 50 Most Important Bible Questions. How does that shape how you respond? Well, I th- oh boy, that's an interesting thing. I, I don't think, I think I would just read the Bible the way I normally would, but there mm-hmm. are sometimes questions come up that I cannot Get away from my own feelings and uh, of of who I am as as a person. So when people call up and they want to know about what the Bible says about cremation, I always say the Bible doesn't really say anything about cremation, and it is you know cost people want to be cremated today because it's cheaper and it's easier for families, and I understand that. And I also say in in the Bible. Uh, no one who is ever cremated has done it to honor them. People who are being honored are not cremated. But nevertheless, there's nothing I would say the Lord can resurrect us from bodily decay or cremation. He can put those molecules together. The resurrection is a miracle beyond our understanding, and so that's fine. But I always say, but I cannot get away from who I am. The rabbis taught that the body is uh, a holy vessel containing the eternal spirit of the person, and therefore the body should be treated with respect and not cremated. So I said, though I'm telling you what the Bible says, uh, that's how I feel. Uh, And so I wouldn't do it. And then I always say, you know, I lost my uh, four half-brothers, half-sister, and my grandparents at Auschwitz, and uh, they they were gassed and cremated. And so the whole idea of cremation just really, really terrible to me. So I guess in a sense, we cannot get away from who we are. So I do try to answer the question as biblically as I can, but I still have my own perspective that I can't, I can't get away from. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's totally understandable. Makes sense. Um, uh, okay, so some no, of the, the reason why people that, ask me about Jewish yeah. questions, I think yeah. that people are desperate to know about Jewish people. And, uh, okay. and I just think it's because I never say on the program, ask me questions about your Jewish friends. Ask me questions about Judaism. I, it's always ask me questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life, right? Right. They still ask me Jewish questions because they know oh, I'm all Jewish. the time. I mean, yeah. all the time. And this is one of the things that I find super fascinating and helpful because, um, you know, they ask you obscure Jewish questions related to Old Testament texts and practices that actually 
help me remind me of those biblical teachings, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so I think that's part of what makes it fascinating. And the fact that you grew up in that context, of course, and, and to, for those who don't know, um, Michael's name, I don't know anyone wouldn't know, but you also, you know, this is the area you teach at Moody Bible Institute mm-hmm. as well. And yeah. so, so you're very much, this is an area where you're well-versed and passionate as well. But some of the questions I think are, let, let's talk about some of the ones that are. Well, can I just uh, say something about you being a New Yorker? Well, you can, I got to tell you. I notice, I notice that you will, all, every time you're on my show, this is the second time, yeah. you pretty much do what you want. So go for it. Just okay. For Here's, it. Well, like I was saying this to the, to the uh, Courtney and Karen, that you yeah. talk like you're Jewish. And here's why oh, I get that I, a I get linguist, that a lot, actually, a linguist yeah. by the name of Tebert Tannen has de- uh, talked about this Jewish way of speaking, which is called cooperative overlapping and uh, high involvement uh, communicators. And cooperative overlapping is, you know, when a Midwestern Gentile uh, wants to <laughs> wants to show interest, <laughs> they will be quiet and listen quietly and patiently. Right, right. And a uh, uh, a Jewish person is who's a high involvement communicator, cooperative overlaps. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly how I feel. And then we talk over each other. And I was talking with you before the program. I'm like, he's cooperative overlapping. He's doing exactly what <laughs> Jews do. And uh, Tannen said that many people who grew up in New York who are not Jewish develop this because there's so many Jewish people in New York. So it's kind of a New York thing now. And you're talking like you're Jewish. So that's why people, when they hear you, they think you sound like you're Jewish. That is, or they, you know, cooperative laughing is also accused as being rude sometimes. So, yeah. So, uh, well, it's, so, it's rude it's in the not. Midwest, and it's what we do to show involvement it, and interest in New York. Exactly. It's mm-hmm. you're leaning into one another. And I will tell you that it works well on the radio because it gives you people able to have a conversation without long pauses and stuff exactly. like that. Particularly when you're, like in our case, we're friends. And so we're kind of like, yeah, let's yeah, let's talk together. Okay. All right. Are you ready for me to actually ask a question? Yeah, I sure am. Sure. you would like to discuss yeah. on the show? No, okay, that's I just want you to be happy. Yeah, I want thank you. To be you. Happy. I appreciate it. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> so, so in the in the book, because you got to know what are the big questions, right? So some of the questions are, I think, really uh they're they're kind of Bible questions, but they're also spiritual life questions. Like, mm-hmm. why does God allow bad things to happen? You address that. I'm going to mm-hmm. give a few. You know, uh, you know things like, can I lose my salvation? I mean, those are all answered from a scriptural context, but they're personal struggle questions too. Mm-hmm. So you know, and and things I've struggled with. You know, when my my I've talked before in the program. My sister died of a rare form of cancer at a young age, mm-hmm. and I'm like, Lord, why? And I. I was. I still don't have the answer to that. So, I mean, I have a general theological answer. The world's broken, but um, so where do those overlap? It's not like all right. I'd like to know what this verse means. It's how do I understand God in so many ways, and how do those overlap in the way you answer questions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Often people say, "Here's my question: Does the Bible answer it?" And mm-hmm. so, th- in that sense, it's a Bible question. But does what does the Bible say about my security in the Lord? What does the Bible say? about the problem of evil and why God allows suffering. So that's what they're really asking. Because what we are saying, uh, I think all across Moody Radio, is Second Peter 1, uh, where it says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the, the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, his own glory and goodness, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. So basically what it's saying, he's given us divine power and he's given us divine promises, and those are all located, the divine power, I believe, is the Holy Spirit, 
and the divine promises is the word of God. And people are calling and saying, okay, so if I've got everything I need, this is what's troubling me. What does the Bible have to say? And so yeah. uh, that's why I've got to answer those questions. They're Bible questions, but they're really, like you say, much more personal. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's one of the strengths of your ministry, one of the strengths of the book as well. So let's 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 take a dive down one of these, right? So we got mm-hmm. fifty of them. Mm-hmm. So one of them is in the of the fifty is, and then we're going to go to calls in just a moment. Let me just remind people uh, as well. They can call in eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. But one of them is that you do address is how can you explain the Trinity? Um, can you do that in a few minutes or less? I love that, that one. I love the uh, the questions. Can you give a simple explanation of the Trinity? Yeah, and, and exactly. The, in, the, the, in three minutes or less. Yeah, and the, and the the words, the very first part of the sentence, if I remember right, is "I wish I could." I, I don't. Th- yeah. <laughs> I don't think that there's any easy explanations of the Trinity. Uh, but. The, the Bible does teach that God the Father is God, God the, the Bible teaches God the Son is God, and God the Holy Spirit is God. And so what I, I'm, I'm trying to find that uh, question in the book, but what, I, what I've done is I, do you remember what question that was, Ed? Because you found it. Oh, what number was I? Don't yeah. I don't. Okay, but uh, you can't just answer this off the top of your head. Oh, I sure I, can. I've of seen course, you I answer can. this off the top of your head a hundred times. Of course, I can. But yeah. the the point of it is that it 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 takes. Uh, I was trying to answer it the way I did it in the book because I have no idea how I did it in the book. But it's, it's okay. not. It's just not, put, it, just it's put it aside. Put aside the okay, book. Just fine. answer the question for well, us. Here's I think one of the clearest examples of the uh, triune God because you know the Bible talks about God the Father being God, and of course it talks about Jesus being God the uh, the Son being God, and you see that in Colossians. I don't know if I should go through all these passages, but in Colossians is a great passage where it talks about Jesus being God, and uh, it talks about uh, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Uh, it also says, for God was pleased, this is, that's uh, Colossians 1.15, then Colossians 1.19, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Uh, it says also in Colossians 2.9, for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. I think in the book of Colossians, you have a clear statement. The eternal Son of God is fully God, and uh, he, Jesus is the God-man. And you have God the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the clearest way that the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit being fully God is in a passage in Acts where uh, Peter says to Ananias and Sapphira, uh, why have you purposed in your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You've not lied to men, but to God. God. Yeah. And so, and then you have that great passage in the Great Commission where Jesus says, baptizing them in the, Matthew 28, 16 through 18, but he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You expect the Greek construction to say, baptizing, baptizing them in the names of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but it's in the name. It's singular, because mm-hmm. there's only one God, but there's three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Love that. Yeah, so you hear the music playing, so you know what happens next. But do you do all that from memory each time somebody calls? Do you flip through the Bible? Tell us that in just quick 10 seconds. Absolutely. I'm so, I, I, yeah, it's memory. I just sit there. Well, <laughs> no, that's impressive. All right, yeah. we're going to jump into the calls in just a moment. Now we're going to go to lightning round. I need you to prepare the callers. Okay. I want you to just roll out that question, and we're going to jump right in. 877-548-3675.
Hey, we're back. We're here at Ed Stetzer Live, but you might think it's um, Michael Rodelnik's show because we're actually talking with him as well. Super excited about the conversation. And uh, we're actually going to go to some questions because, again, we're talking about his brand new book. It's 50 Most Important Bible Questions. 50 Most Important Bible Questions. I want to do a little lightning round. And if the callers will cooperate, those who cooperate, I think I'm going to give them a free copy of the book. But basically, you got to get to your question. You got to get to your question because I'm looking at some of them. You know, we see these ahead of time. People may not be aware, but we kind of see what people's questions are going to be. We have a call screener. Um, and boy, I'm telling you, it's going to be um, super fun because I'm going to pick some that are really hard. And um, and let's let, let's rock and roll. Let's go to, well, oddly enough, let's his name's Michael. Let's go to Michael in Iowa. Michael, lightning round. You're live on the air. Go ahead. Yes, thank you very much for being on and doing what you do and for Michael explaining Hyper overlay that really helps me with Ed Stetzer's multiplicitous words. <laughs> uh, I love that. All right, good, good, Michael. I can also do that the way they do it too, if you want to. I like it. I like it. Uh, what's the problem? What's the problem um, or the prohibition about steps up to the altar in Exodus twenty verse twenty six? Because it says about exposing your nakedness. I'm, I'm assuming long robes, and so I don't understand what all that implies. Okay, I love you. See, Michael, thank you so much for your call. Stay on the line, and we, Michael, Michael, the caller, uh, stay on the line. We're going to give you a copy of 50 Most Important Bible Questions. Sorry, so, so I want you now, because you're going to answer the question, but I heard the Bible pages flip, so you're turning in the Bible. So here's mm-hmm. what we know. You don't have every verse memorized, so yeah. you're going to look it up right now. Um, and I, I looked it up beforehand, and I looked at it. It says, neither... Shall you go up the steps uh, to my altar? Yeah, and I I don't have any clue what this is referring to. So, well, do you? Un- I, mean, I don't. I don't want you to answer question yet. I want you to answer the process. So, do you already at this point have in general what did you, when he asked the question? Did you say like, okay? I remember that, or do you got to say I've never heard this question before? I don't think anyone's ever heard the question before, but I've looked at the passage before and talked about it. Okay. So. You've looked and you've talked about it. Okay. Yeah. So so what then? So you're in your process. You've looked at the passage. You've talked about it. Mm-hmm. Do you know already or are you like having to like Google something? I mean, what's the process here? Or do you do, do you sometimes even say, I have no idea the answer to that question? Uh, sometimes. Oh, definitely. There are sometimes right? I okay. have no idea. Okay. Uh, okay. So what about this one? What about this one? This is... Uh, this is kind of an interesting passage because this is the earthen altar, right? And later, uh, if you make a stone altar, uh, verse 24 says, you must make an earthen altar for me. Later on, there's going to be a wooden altar in the tabernacle, but this is before the tabernacle is made. That's how they're going to operate. So even within the law of Moses, there's changes that are going to take place in the process of writing the Pentateuch. That's kind of interesting to me. Uh, if you make a stone altar for me, don't build it out of cut stones because uh, you don't want to have chiseling where you chisel out forms. Do you, you know what I'm saying about that? That mm-hmm. you want to mm-hmm. just use regular stones, pick them up, do that. And then don't go up that altar on steps so that your nakedness is not exposed. That was generally what was done that, because there was a great deal of immorality in the pagan altars. And you could actually see pagan altars that have been uncovered at places like Megiddo in Israel. And they would take these steps walking up, 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 up in the altar. And if they would expose their nakedness underneath their garments, it was just going to lead to the kinds of immorality that they had in, on the Canaanite altars, and uh, there was a great deal of, of prostitution kind of uh, uh, 
really bad behavior, uh, sexually immoral behavior. And so don't do that uh, to get your priests so that they're not going up there and preparing to engage in sexual relations with prostitutes. Okay, fascinating. So let's. Uh, so Michael, you stay in the line, and we're going to get you a copy. Karen, amazing producer, is going to go and get you a copy of the book. All right. So, so in a situation like that, so Michael, who calls in, and he, and what a blessing to have you know open line to call in and ask you these questions. But these are also things that you can like. What I did while you were answering the question is I Googled. I have a commentary. I can look and say, okay, mm-hmm. now I get a little context from that. So I don't have to be Michael Rodelnik to answer these Bible questions, I can draw from commentaries and other resources as, I mean, I want people to still call, but I can draw no, from other places. But that's exactly what I, I always wonder why that. people bother calling me. They could always check Dr. Google. You know, I just do, yeah. I, I, although I have to say, I think that there's something, when you, when you go on Google, you have no idea what you're going to get. You get all sorts of stuff. Uh, and the same thing when you just pick up a commentary, it's one of the reasons why I thought of the idea of the Moody Bible commentary because yeah. people trust Moody. And so you can, you can get the Moody Bible commentary, and if we answer the question, then you say that's a trustworthy answer. It may not be the only answer, but it's trustworthy. And we actually do engage and we try. I had all the authors, you know, if there's something that was controversial, go through the options and try and explain why you're taking the position that you are. And so I think that there's a matter, the same thing with calling. I, I want to talk to someone that I think may be giving me a biblical answer. Uh, not someone. Yeah, that's... no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's mm. you want to have, have you go to trusted commentary, but I also mm. think it's great to call in and ask. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, right. Um, mm-hmm. But but I I, I want to remind one of the things that I worry about sometimes is when there's a Bible answer man, right? And mm-hmm. and that sometimes gives people the idea that they don't have the ah, ability to get the answer. That's but not, they do the, the, exactly. And the, and this book yeah. even talks about how to get yep, the answers yep. yourself. And I, I one of the things I really was happy when I did the afterward or the final final thoughts I called it uh, after the questions were done. Uh, I actually said I talked about how I learned to study the Bible and why I wanted to study the Bible. Uh, and uh, I, I really wanted to encourage people to keep studying. The Bible. Learning God's Word is not always easy, but the results are well worth it, all our time and, and our effort. And I hope this book answered at least some of your biblical questions. My greater desire is that it spurs you on to further study, eliciting more questions and even more answers discovered on your own. Love it. And this is the book is 50 Most Important Bible Questions. And here, the, the guy who answers the Bible question saying, that you, the, really, and I, the way I put it too is, you're most responsible for your growth in the knowledge of the scriptures. Not mm-hmm. Michael Waldelnik, not your pastor. Uh, all of those are blessings and gifts, but it is the individual's responsibility to do that. But let's let's go back. To, I, I told we got to do more lightning round. So, Michael, mm-hmm. another Michael. It's all Michael today. Michael in Chicago, you're live on the air with your question or your comment. Good morning, both of you. I listened to both of you on Saturdays, and you helped me tremendously. The question I have, uh, and thank you both of you immensely, and I pray for both of you. Uh, my question is really, and hopefully you guys will be able to answer it kind of quickly, apostolic succession. I am, I was and I am a cradle Catholic. However, I've been going to a booty, uh, booty, a moody uh, recommended church out here in Chicago. And is there such a thing as apostolic succession? And is it appropriate to use that as a way of supporting 
your denomination or your belief. Yeah. Okay, okay. good, Michael. Thank you. Stay in the line, uh, Michael, from Chicago. I want to give you a copy of the book. But the reason I wanted to have this question is it's not a Bible question. And so I wonder, like, how do you address a question? This is an historic question that has you know, mm-hmm. biblical implications for, and I think we both probably have the same answer, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of wondering too. So if someone calls up a question like this, an open line, what do you do? I'm trying to understand process, not just answers to questions. <laughs> well, the first thing so, I think is I want to say that there are different traditions on this and, yep. uh, you know, uh, some traditions, if you would look at Greek Orthodoxy, Roman Catholicism, they would say yes. Even different denominations among Protestants, uh, Anglicans would, see, yeah. uh, yep, yep, yep. would say yes, there's apostolic succession. Uh, my understanding of Scripture would say uh, we are all sent, uh, but the role of the apostles was to lay a foundation in the church. Uh, I guess I would go to Ephesians 2, verses 20 through 22, because there it says... Uh, that uh, you're no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. So that's verse 19. We're all members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So we're built on them with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone, and now we're the whole building being put together by him and growing into a holy sanctuary. And so I think we are the stones, and I don't think that there's an apostolic succession. The apostles had a particular task. They were to lay the foundation of the church. They are the ones that went out, and you know, as we can see in the book of Acts, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the remotest part of the earth, which was Rome, and they laid the foundation of the church wherever they went, we are the stones today, and in the Great Commission, where it says, uh, you know, make disciples of the nations, it says, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. So he was not only speaking, the Lord Jesus was not only speaking to the apostles, he was speaking to us, because he's going to be with us to the end of the age as we fulfill that Great Commission. So uh, in, in my opinion, no, uh, our role is different from the apostles, but nevertheless, uh, we we continue what they were called to do, which is to proclaim the gospel. So apostolic mission rather than apostolic succession. Yes. So we're going to continue our conversation with Michael Waddellick in just a moment. I want to encourage you, uh, our last time to give a call, we're going to do a lightning round, 877-548-3675. He's answering Bible questions because he just wrote a book called 50 Most Important Bible Questions. Uh, available, well, everywhere books are sold, 877-548-3675. fascinating conversation with the amazing Mike Rodin. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment. Hey, Ed Stetzer Live. I'm Ed Stetzer. We continue our conversation with Michael Rodanlick. Michael, neither you nor I have excelled at the lightning round. So let's try that. Going to okay. get our callers to cooperate and jump right into their conversation. Let's go to a, another Michael. Three Michaels in a row. Dayton, Ohio. Michael, you're live on the air. Go ahead quickly with your question or your comment. Yes. The Bible says that uh, God will wipe away all tears when we get to heaven. And... Uh, I would like to know how uh, you think God is going to assuage that hurt if uh, our loved ones, our parents, or our children aren't there when we get there. I, I, I can only tell you I know that God will comfort us, that he's certainly capable of comforting us, and how he does it, I have no idea. 
Yeah, that's and I, I think that's a fair question because I'm, I'm mm-hmm. I, I get it. Michael, stay on the line. Michael from Dayton, stay on the line. Karen, uh, Karen's going to give you a copy of the book. Thank you for the question, uh, Miguel in Orlando, Florida. You're live on the air. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, how come or what would you think about John the Baptist talking about the Messiah and then doubting about him, Miguel from Orlando? Yeah. Uh... In Isaiah, in Luke 4, when Jesus begins his ministry in Nazareth, he quotes from Isaiah 61, uh, which is to proclaim liberty to the captives. And here, John the Baptist believes the Messiah has come, and that's one of the functions that the Messiah will do, to liberate the captives. And and here, John the Baptist is sitting in jail, uh, awaiting to have his head cut off, and is like, well, are you the coming one, or should we look for another? When we have difficult circumstances, when it's not what we expected, when we experience disappointment spiritually, it will cause us to doubt. But I do want you to notice that the Lord Jesus answers his question and then affirms him. Uh, he does not say, what a loser that John the Baptist is. He just aff- he affirms him. Yeah, wow. And great question, Miguel, as well. Hang on the line. Uh, we're going to give you a copy of the, the book as well. The book we're talking about here is 50 Most Important Bible Questions. Uh, Penny in Alabama, you're live on the air. What's your question? What does the Bible say about the seven literal days of creation? Well, it says there was only six, and the seventh day God rested. Uh, it says that they were days and morning and evening. Uh, the, the way that is done, it, it makes me feel as if there were 24-hour days, although in the book I'm very careful to say that people who love God's Word and love Jesus, some hold to a day-age theory that each day represents a period of a long period of time and age, and some people hold to a 24-hour day, I believe because of uh, God creating the world with apparent age, that it makes it look uh, much older than it is, and also he he uses catastrophe to make things look much older and create fossils. He used the flood. And so that's my opinion, but it's not something that I think we should... I wasn't there, so I, I don't want to be overly dogmatic. It's, okay, so not a not a line in the sand, if you will, to mm-hmm. say that people... Okay. All right, so Penny, thank you. If you hold on the line uh, as as well, we're going to give you a copy of, of the book. Again, and people can pick up the book too. It's 50 Most Important Bible questions. Uh, let's go to Sheila in Naperville, not far from where I am right now. Sheila, you're live on the air. Hi, yes. My question is, Is has God called modern-day prophets in the light of the Old Testament prophets that spoke for him and spoke the truth the way he wanted it spoken? Well, the, people have different opinions about this, so I'll just give you my opinion. I believe the apostles and prophets were foundational roles. So at the beginning of the church, they were there. But then there are even people like Wayne Grudem, uh, who's a wonderful theologian who believes that there are New Testament prophets. However, he is very clear to distinguish New Testament prophets, which I don't think that we have New Testament prophets today, but he does. He says those New Testament prophets were distinct from Old Testament prophets. He sees the uh, New Testament um corollary to the Old Testament prophet as being the apostles. He doesn't believe we have those anymore, uh, but there are New Testament prophets who give words of encouragement and exhortation and speak for God in that sense, but not with the same kind of authority or accuracy as an Old Testament prophet. Good deal. We're going to, Sheila, hold on. We're going to give you a copy of the book. By the way, one of the things that I love, Michael, is that even in that answer, 
you referred to, you know, uh, Grudem's written on prophecy in First Corinthians and today and, and mm-hmm. others. We could go down that trail and talk about several other scholars. Uh, I love that you answer what you believe. You have scriptural evidence for what you believe. And you say there are people, particularly people who if they're kind of in have our same kind of commitment to the authority of scripture, you say, and other people have different conclusions. You said it on prophecy. You said it on creation. Uh, that's not something that everybody does. And I appreciate that. But again, let's continue to, with our questions. We're going to go to Tenley in Naples, Florida. Tenley, you're live on the air. Hello. Thank you. Um, in Second Kings, all throughout the book, it talks about the various um, kings. And like in Second Kings 14.15 and Second Kings 15.6, it refers to the book of the history of the kings of Israel or the book of the history of the kings of Judah, and that all the king's events are recorded in those books. Are those books, uh, you know, accessible and available to be read? Yeah, Amazon.com. No, no, they're not available. <laughs> they, they, they're not available. Uh, they were works that were written down. Obviously, kings would have uh, annals that they wrote down, and they would keep them. And then the author of the book of First Second Kings is in captivity already. He uh, He's one of the Jews that went into exile, and he's got, the way I envision this, he's got the Torah scroll in front of him saying, how did we get here into Babylon? And then what he does is he's got these annals that he's retained in historical records, and he's going to write a book explaining how did we get into exile, and what should we do now, which is to keep looking for that future king? Yeah, and I, and I think one of the things, too, there are books mentioned in the Bible that aren't in the Bible, and yeah. I think that's important. You know, there's actually probably four letters to Corinthians, two of whom mm-hmm. are sacred scripture, but he refers to other letters, and so that's not an uncommon— Well, it's, it's, Other it's books are quoted, and, yeah. and they're not scripture, you know? Yeah, uh, and, Greek, I, and there's Greek a difference between— in, yeah. Right. Inspiration, something that's inspired and inerrant as the Word of God is, versus things that are good and helpful that we could still read uh, as well. I think we're I'm trying to we probably can't fit in one more call. And by the way, uh, Tinley, thank, thank you for your call. We're going to give you a copy of the book. So what's the most common question asked by a person who's strong in their faith, and what's your response? What you uh, well, the, the most useless common question is Genesis 6. Uh, people ask it all the time, who are the sons of men, the daughters of God, and the Nephilim? Uh, and I answer it in the book because people uh, are, are, want to know. And I, I don't think it's going to change your life, but I, I put an answer in uh, that I understand. On the other hand, I think the most important of the common questions is, if I commit this sin, will I lose my salvation? Yeah, I hear that one a lot. Yep. Yeah. And how do you answer that? Well, uh, Jesus said, I have come not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose not one of them. He says that in John six thirty seven through 40. And uh, that means that Jesus is saying, I stake my reputation, my identity as the Messiah, as the Son of God, as God-man, on the fact that I always do the Father's will. And if I ever don't do the Father's will, then I'm not who I said I am. And this is the Father's will. I'm going to keep whoever comes to me. I will keep you secure and safe. So I would much rather trust the word of Jesus than my own feelings and my own uh, problems uh, and my own sins. I trust Jesus. He will keep me safe. 
I love that you love the Bible. I love that you love Jesus. The book is 50 Most Important Bible Questions. In about 20 seconds, what do you hope people glean and gain from reading 50 Most Important Bible Questions? Confidence in the Bible and the confidence in their ability to study it and get answers for themselves. Love it. Love it. And so appreciate you. And thank you so much for having me. Really, oh, really I love it. I love it. it. We have a good time together. I got to come to the studio more so we can hang out more. Yeah. Um, and, and we have a great time. But let me say thanks to my guest, Michael Rodelnik. Also to behind the scenes, our producer, Karen Hendren, engineer, Courtney Young, Eric Tidwell, working the phones today. And we had a lot of calls, Eric. So well done. Tune in next week. I'm going to sit down with Kristen and Jimmy Scroggins. They have a brand new book on how to have crucial conversations, parenting conversations with your kid. I know you'll be encouraged in that conversation as well. Here today's program again, you'll find it at EdStetzerLive.org or on the Moody Radio app. You can also connect with us through Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all at Ed Stetzer Live. And Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.